Welcome to 5 Things About. I'm Sylvie Van Wall. You may have heard something recently about HILDA, the Household, Income and Labour Dynamics in Australia survey. You can see the most recent results on our news site, Pursuit. But how exactly does HILDA work? And what are the implications of such a report? I chat with Professor Roger Wilkins, the Melbourne Institute Deputy Director and Co-Report Author, who gets philosophical about HILDA. So, Roger, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm a professorial research fellow in the Melbourne Institute of Applied Economic and Social Research in the Faculty of Business and Economics here at the University of Melbourne. And I do applied economics research. And one of my main jobs is as Deputy Director of the HILDA Survey, which is Australia's longitudinal uh, survey of households that started in 2001. And we've been interviewing the same people uh, ever since every year. Okay, so tell us some more about Hilda. Um, yep. What what does that do? What is it for? So yeah, so in the uh, I guess for many years uh, there was a uh, an appreciation that uh, there was a big gap in the in the data landscape in in Australia. That uh, you know we had the ABS doing its uh, uh, cross sectional surveys and it had its census and so forth. Um, but what was really missing was a uh, a nationally representative longitudinal data set. So what we mean by that is is a data set where we're interviewing the same people every year so that what it gives us is a moving picture of people's lives rather than the, the photographs, the cross-sectional snapshots that we get from ABS data. So this allows us to look at the paths that people's lives take. Uh, so uh, to give you just one example, um, when you do a cross-sectional survey, you observe that a certain proportion of people are in poverty, are poor. Um, what you don't know is um, how long they stay in that situation. Is it You go back a year or two years later and you do another survey of a different set of people and you find a similar proportion who are poor, but are they the same people or are they different people? Whereas with Hilda, because we're following the same people over time, we know how long people stay poor, who gets out of poverty, who who falls into poverty. And we can look at, because it's such a rich data source, we can look at what are the things that might have got people into that situation or got them out of that situation. So it's an extremely valuable resource for um, researchers, but for policymakers as well, in, in understanding uh, these important uh, socioeconomic phenomena that uh, that we can uh, much better identify who are the people who are persistently disadvantaged and we can also identify the causal factors in that from this longitudinal information and therefore do something about it from a policy point of view. Uh, so that was why, so this is funded by the Australian government and, uh, and that's why it got started. Um, and uh, as I said, it started in 2001 and, uh, and this year, um, Hilda became an adult. She uh, had her uh, 18th birthday this year. So we're really starting to get a, a really uh, uh, seriously long, uh, a seriously what we call a panel. Uh, so it's a you know, it's a seriously long data set where we're seeing eight. We've seen we've got many people in our sample who have observed for 18 years. Um, we're starting to see children and grandchildren of original sample members uh, entering our, our sample. That that's uh, you know, so we're being able to look at intergenerational issues as well. And how can you be certain that it's the same people every time? How is it conducted? 
Right. So, um, well, uh, we, we know there, we know, um, well, we don't personally, but the, the fieldwork company, Roy Morgan Research, uh, they have all of the details about these respondents and they follow them. They go back to the, where they live and they have all sorts of contact details for friends and relatives. So if they move, they can track them down. And, uh, and so they're, they're going back to the same people year in, year out. Uh, obviously, uh, people don't have to do the, the survey. Um, um, but, uh, Basically, we have very high response rates. About 96% of people who respond one year continue to respond the next year. And mostly it seems to be because they appreciate the importance of this study for Australia, for for us understanding what is going on in the Australian community. So uh, there's a real strong element of people feeling like uh, this is a, a service they're providing to the Australian community, and and they're absolutely right that they each each respondent represents about 1,200 people in the Australian community, and if they don't respond, those 1,200 people don't get represented in the study, and therefore could potentially be neglected by uh, researchers and policymakers. And what? ways is the survey having an impact on Australian life? Well, um, so I guess the one way of it's very, it can be very difficult to know in very in narrow concrete terms what impact it's having. What we do know is that HILDA is a very heavily used data set both in government amongst policymakers and also by academic researchers, not only in Australia but overseas as well. Uh, amongst uh, policymakers, so we know, for example, that the Reserve Bank is a very heavy user of the data, the Productivity Commission is a very heavy user of the data, uh, the um, uh, Department of Social Services that funds the study is a very heavy, heavy user of the data. So while we don't necessarily pin specific policies on uh, on their analysis of the HILDA data, what we do know is that it's very heavily informing their understanding of what's going on in their community, and therefore it will be very heavily influencing uh, the advice they give to government and, and the policy uh, um, proposals that they are, are likely to be formulating. And what sort of things did we not know about Australians before? What were those um, sort of blank areas that made mm-hmm. it necessary for something like HILDA to be yep. initiated? That- that that's almost that's really it's a too big a question for me to answer. Uh, um, well, ever to be honest, um, it's it's so I mentioned one of the important distinguishing features of Hilda is its longitudinal nature, uh, but it's also you know that we have uh, it's not just that it's longitudinal for those individuals. We have information about their entire household. So there are other longitudinal data sources that are individual based, but we have longitudinal data where we have all the household information. And also, the other feature of HILDA is that it's very rich data. So we collect information on family life, on incomes, on employment, on health and well-being, on community uh, the, the, uh, interactions, uh, and, and all manner of other aspects of life. And so together, uh, it's really added enormous richness to the broader data landscape of, of, of Australia. Uh, I gave one example earlier where uh, we really didn't, have a good understanding of the extent to which people who are poor in one year are poor the next year. There was, and there was probably a perception that it tended to be the same people every year who were poor. And in fact, Hilda showed that that's not the case at all, uh, that most people who are poor in one year are not poor in the next year. Certainly there are a significant minority of people who are persistently poor, um, but, um, but that's quite a distinct statement from the fact that it's the poor are the same people every year. In, overall, uh, that, is, that is not a true statement, and that is something that was not widely appreciated until Hilda came along.
So it's not just confirming our suspicions of what we thought we knew about Australians, or it's not just confirming what we already knew no, about I'm, Australians? No, I mean, so, look, sometimes uh, Hilda does confirm what we suspect. So, you know, we know that uh, uh, th- th- there'd be a strong suspicion that, that we're becoming uh, more uh, progressive in our attitudes, that, we, th- that we, we're increasingly holding the view that men should be more involved in raising their kids and that women should be more involved in the labour market and in earning income. And that's, and Hilda, for sure, Certainly shows that that's the case. Uh, so that's that's probably confirming, you know, a, a suspicion, if you like. But, uh, but but as was the case when we're talking about the persistence of poverty, um, it's also um, uh, upending uh, a, a number of, uh, I guess, preconceptions uh, that that we have. Uh, another example from this year's report is that there's a lot of talk about the rise of the gig economy and how important it, it is and how it's changing the nature of work. And it seems that that perception is way out of sync with the reality, that uh, uh, when we look at the actual data, you know, certainly there is some evidence of, of, of growth in the gig economy, but it's really still a very, very small part um, of our economy. We're, in fact, seeing declining rates of self-employment, and, and we, uh, we are not, we're not seeing significant growth in the number of people who, are, certainly for their primary income, are depending on these uh, app-based uh, gig jobs like uh, Uber driving and uh, Deliveroo and, and those sorts of things. And what can the wider populace do with those sort of findings? Obviously, it's you, you said it's very important for certain sectors like government sectors, but um, for the wider public, what can they do with this information? Well, the report that I produce each year is intended to be, I guess, uh, readable by uh, the, the general public, and I think it does tell us a lot about the society where we're living in. It tells, in a sense, it's sort of telling the story of Australia. Uh, and, I, and I think uh, um, that's certainly it's always valuable uh, because you know, having a basic understanding of your own society is sort of a precondition uh, for um, forming views on what you should do about it. You know, I, I think a lot of people's views on what should happen from a policy perspective is based on, I guess, poor inf- poor, a poor information base that they have misunderstandings of what the reality is of their society. So I think Hilda can really provide. You know, an imp- serve a really important role in that uh, regard. Um, there's also, I, I think, a lot more indirect channels through which it benefits the general population, and that's through the research process that we have a number of, literally thousands of researchers across Australia and the world using the Hilda survey data to answer all sorts of research questions. Um, the, the findings of their research are uh, ultimately... Uh, one, one hopes uh, to the benefit of of the community, to the benefit of so whether it be the the effects of various cognitive activities on the extent of cognitive decline. You know, are there things that you can do that would help protect you to uh, against cognitive decline? Uh, are, uh, we 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 measure things like we look at people's diet and how that might impact on their health and well being. All sorts of research questions such as this that have been investigated by researchers would you would hope ultimately uh, that's this is the goal anyway make for a better policy and better understanding of what goes to making uh, a good life. And what were the big findings of the survey this year? <laughs> Again, one of those you know, uh, uh, questions that uh, you know could take me a, a day to answer. Look, uh, you know, part of what 
the the report does each year is provide a an update on the on the state of the nation. So what's happening to incomes and poverty and the labour market and so forth. and so you know, on those sorts of broad uh, measures, we're finding that you know, household incomes are uh, are staying fairly flat. So we're not seeing the income growth that we saw in the early to mid 2000s. Um, but by the same token, they're not declining. Same with uh, a similar story with wages. They're not declining, but they're also not growing like we like we saw uh, in the early to mid 2000s. Em- employment uh, uh, is, is still relatively strong. Uh, we haven't seen we're not seeing unemployment grow. But what we have seen is a growth in underemployment. So this is where people who are uh, working part-time but would actually prefer to be working longer hours and often full-time hours, but they can't get those hours. So this is a, a, a growing phenomenon in the Australian labour market that's, I guess, over the last 20 years really has, has arisen as a significant feature of the labour market and and, uh, and and is a significant uh, economic issue for p- policymakers to confront. And I think there is growing awareness that this is a significant issue that we can't just focus on the unemployment rate. It's too crude a measure of of how well the labour market is going. You know, it doesn't pick up all these people who uh, are only able to pick up a few hours of work and aren't really getting the sort of jobs that uh, allow them to have a decent standard of living. So that's certainly something that the Hilda survey is is is, is showing. Um, th- this year's report, we had a, a number of other aspects, specific aspects of of, of life. Um, we had some measures of financial literacy included in the survey in 2016. So assessing people's understanding of concepts like inflation, risk and return relationships, and things like that. And there, the striking finding was there's a real gender divide between you know, men and women in their uh, financial literacy. That uh, they, on these measures, uh, women. Uh, have much lower financial literacy than men wasn't something I was expecting that said I think there is amongst uh, people in the finance industry there is probably some awareness um, that this of, the, of this issue but it wasn't something that I was aware beforehand that financial liter- literacy was was so much lower amongst women than men I don't uh, know exactly why that's the case but I think this is a concern for policymakers that I think that um, you know what we do sh- show in in the report is that low levels of financial literacy are strongly associated with lower financial well-being that people are uh, people who with lower levels of financial literacy tend to be poorer have uh, um, higher rates of financial stress and, uh, and 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 generally lower levels of material well-being so I think uh, um, that that is a that was a, a significant finding of this year's report. I could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was going to ask. Apart from the examples you've given, was there anything that particularly shocked or surprised you about the results? Yeah. Was it, well, so certainly the the the, low, the the relatively low rates of financial literacy amongst women was a was a shock. Uh, uh, the, the other interesting. Well, among the many other interesting findings uh, was that uh, uh, home energy expenditure uh, has actually been declining in real terms since around 2014. Uh, so by home energy, I mean expenditure on electricity and gas for, for the home. And uh, we've been tracking households' expenditure on a variety of things since the mid-2000s, and that includes identifying expenditure on electricity and gas. And what was interesting about that is that uh, that Prices for electricity and gas have continued to rise since 2014, and yet the Hilda survey data is showing that uh, households' expenditure in real terms um, has actually declined since then. And what it seems is going on is that people have been adapting to the higher prices by changing 
their behaviour. So uh, investing in more energy efficient appliances, uh, insulating their homes, installing solar panels, um, but also perhaps uh, doing things like uh, heating fewer rooms in the house in winter, that sort of thing. Um, so there seems to have been a, quite a bit of uh, adaptation to this uh, higher energy price world, which has actually seen people reduce their uh, total expenditure on home energy uh, since 2014. So that, that, that was, uh, to me, it was an interesting finding. And what do you hope the long-term effects of Hilda will be? Is there an overall goal that you're mm. working towards or is it just something that's going to be ongoing? There's no end point for Hilda. That's, it's by design, it can live forever, and that would be our hope, is that it does live forever. Uh, so we, uh, not only do we, not only by design does it follow the original sample members, uh, from cradle, <laughs> from, and, and to grave, uh, but it, it follows their children and their children's children. Uh, in, in a sense, uh, we, these original sample members have the Hilda gene and they pass that on to their offspring. Uh, so it can, Hilda can continue forever, uh, and at, the longer it continues, the more valuable it becomes, uh, because not only is it telling a, the contemporary story of Australia, uh, but it's also telling us about intergenerational mechanisms. Uh, so to what extent does what your parents and grandparents did or experienced influence your life outcomes? Uh, these sorts of intergenerational questions will increasingly become possible to investigate with the Hilda data as it as it becomes uh, older and older. So it, in a sense, doesn't have an end goal it, the, uh, other than the point that being the longer it goes, the more valuable it gets. And is there relatively large diversity in the population that is being surveyed? Yes. So um, Hilda is uh, designed to be nationally representative. And so to capture all the diversity in the Australian community, uh, you do, of course, worry about response rates and do certain groups respond? Uh, are they less willing to respond to your survey? We have strategies to to minimise that, um, and uh, that includes uh, providing some uh, financial compensation to respondents to, as a sort of a way to acknowledge the significant uh, imposition that the survey is in terms of, at least in terms of their time. Uh, and uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we, uh, uh, we we do manage to retain most people in our sample from one year to the next. So, you know, sort of fewer than 4% of our sample uh, from the previous year uh, do not participate in the next year. And, and what's more is that of that 4%, many of them will subsequently return to responding to the survey in a, in a subsequent year. So they're not lost uh, for good. Uh, so so we, we, do, we do a pretty good job of capturing the diversity in the Australian community, certainly on things that we can observe like age and sex and ethnicity and even things like uh, sexual identity, location, all sorts of uh, all sorts of observable characteristics where um, Hilda looks um, quite similar to, say, what other data sources say about the extent of diversity in the Australian community, things like the census, for example. There is one challenge for us that will forever be a challenge, and that is that because we are a longitudinal study, we're following the same people year in, year out, immigrants uh, tend not to get into our sample naturally. Um, and of course, Australia is a high immigrant country. And so to remain representative of Australia, we need a way of uh, uh, capturing uh, 
essentially increasing our sample to, to, to include these new immigrants. Now, in 2011, we had a sample top-up that allowed new immigrants to Australia that arrived after 2001 to enter our sample. So we addressed that in, in 2011. At the moment, um, we haven't got a specific plan, but we would hope that to do something similar in 2021 to address the, the, the declining representativeness in terms of immigrants that have arrived since 2011. But I think longer term, we would like a more a more satisfactory way of maintaining representativeness each year, and that would be to recruit new immigrants uh, each year into the sample so that uh, we are maintaining that contemporary representativeness of the, of the, of the, tr- of the real you know, diversity in the Australian community. And do you have any fears about how people will interpret the results from Hilda? Look, I don't have any fears uh, as such. Um, of course, people will interpret data in different ways and sometimes with not um, with not the purest of motives. So people can certainly, you know, there's the old saying that there's uh, was it lies, damn lies and statistics. Uh, and so, so certainly people can get st- statistics out of Hilda, which they could then... Um, used to make misleading statements about the nature of of the world in which we live um but uh but i think you know broadly uh speaking um you know it's a it's a well validated study uh that we follow best practice best international practice for the collection of the data and the dis- dissemination of the data uh, and it's made widely available to to many researchers and so that in itself is very conducive to i guess you know the the, the best ideas that Will get will, will rise to the surface in the sense that any any statistic that's produced out of the data can be contested by anyone else who accesses the data, and uh, and, and so because it's it's not restricted to a certain narrow set of users, I don't think we're as vulnerable as we could be if uh, in that situation uh, to the data being misused. Because for for one person using the data for to interpret it in a particular way, uh, there'll be another person who can use the same data. To uh, to interpret it in a different way and contest the interpretation of the, of, of the first person. So uh, no, it's not something that I have particular fears about. And how do you think it's changed the way that we think about Australians? Or if that's too much to assume, how how has it changed the way you think about Australians? I, I think it's made me more optimistic actually about about Australia. I, I you know we we live in a world where we listen to the news and we read the newspapers and you get a quite negative view of how well our society is functioning from digesting what we get from the media. And when you actually... Hilda gives us a more objective truth about what's going on in Australia, that you know, that when you, when you look at Hilda data, you see that most people are quite satisfied with their lives. Most people uh, are in household and family situations where they get on with each other, uh, where people are feeling are living decent lives, and and uh, that that's a I think a perspective that can get lost from from much of the public debate and discussion we get, particularly through our mainstream media. Uh, so I, I think it's probably just given me a bit more optimism about Australian society. That would be how I'd say it has influenced my view. So that's five things about Hilda, or possibly six. We're good with words, not with numbers. Thanks to Professor Roger Wilkins. This episode was recorded on the 26th of July, 2018. Production by Sylvie Van Wall. 
Editing by Sylvie Van Wall and audio engineering by Chris Hatzis. Five Things About is a training podcast created by Dr. Andy Horvath at the University of Melbourne. I'm Sylvie Van Wall. Join us next time for another episode of Five Things About.